Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello everyone and welcome along to this week's La Liga Lowdown Monday Recap. I'm your host Jim McTeer and I'll be speaking to experts of several different La Liga teams in this show as we analyse the third weekend of the season. We'll be discussing topics like Atletico Madrid and their title credentials, Barcelona and Real Madrid slipping up Valencia's win in the heat and we have an in-depth chat about Real Valladolid and their interesting start to the season and their not so interesting transfer window. Come on Ronaldo! Get your wallet out before the window shuts. But before all of that, let's begin with the Basque Derby. It was another special Friday night at San Mames as Athletic Club defeated rivals Real Sofidad 2-0 with first half goals from Inaki Williams and Raul Garcia. Athletic Club season ticket holder Dan Parry was there, so let's bring him in to discuss the game. So Dan, it's yet another home victory for Gaiska Gavitano. He has 14 home matches now, hasn't lost any of them. How have he and Athletic Club made Sam Mames into a fortress again? Well, I think, like you said, uh, historically Athletic have been a club that don't lose points, or at least don't lose a lot of points at home. And typically when they do, they only lose to you know, big clubs like Barca, Real Madrid, Atletico. That kind of was lost a little bit under Figand and Bellizzo, but Garitano's placed a lot of emphasis on being well-organised, being well-drilled and not conceding goals. For example, in the past 14 matches that you referred to, they've only conceded eight goals. So they've gone back to basics. They've decided to be defens- defensively solid and basically said, at Samamez, we're not going to concede goals. And what was the post-match reaction like in Bilbao on Friday night? The first derby win in two and a half years, that must have been special. Yeah, it was. I think there's a lot of optimism around the city. You know, um, seven points from the first three games, a victory over the champions, a victory over a major rival, not just a geographical and historical rival, but also a team that aspires to qualify for the Europa League. Uh, I did hear one fan who maybe was a bit overzealous saying that Athletic should now be looking to qualify for the Champions League. Might be a bit, yeah, might be a bit too early for that, but definitely the this it's a good start to the season, and people are definitely hopeful. Can we talk about Ander Kappa a bit? He's assisted three of Athletic Club's four goals so far this season. The right back, he's a player who Gary Tano had at Ibar and he's really developed again, I think, under Gary Tano. That's, that's a fair assessment, right? 
Yeah, for sure. He's in really, really good form and he's keeping out a fan favourite and Oscar De Marcos. Oscar De Marcos has been at the club for years and is, you know, a beloved figure. Um, yeah, what I like most about Kappa is he's got unbelievable work rate and he always seems ready to, to bomb forward, to move forward, to help the club and attack. But also, at the same time, he's, he's rarely caught out defensively because of that work ethic. He always gets back into position. In terms of a tactical look at this game, I think Gary Tano got the better of Imanol Aguasil. What did Atleti do to outplay Real Sofidad so thoroughly? They were just relentless. I mean, if you saw for the first 30 minutes, um, Real Sociedad were quite insistent on playing out from the back, but Athletic just kept catching them and they put Moya under a lot of pressure and he just was very uncomfortable. So they were, you know, they were re- pressing relentlessly on the front foot, very tenacious in, uh, in defence. I think perhaps as well, Moya could have done a bit better with the, with the goal from Raul Garcia. Yeah, Moya was a little bit iffy. It was strange because, of course, they signed Alex Ramiro in the summer from Athletic, but yeah. um, there was a theory going around that they didn't want to play him the first few weeks of the season because they didn't want to throw him into the pressure cooker that was Sam Mames for the first derby in the third week. So maybe we'll see Ramiro in the next couple of weeks for Real Sofidad. It's going to be interesting for them going forward because they've built a really nice squad, but... And there seem to be a couple of positions where they have problems. One of the positions where they don't have problems is in attacking midfield. And I was really impressed by the performance of Martin Odegaard. He was one of their few bright spots. Were you impressed by him in this game? Yeah, and just to refer back to Ramiro as well, sorry, but you have to remember that Ramiro didn't play at all last season. So it's going to gonna take a while to get and bring him back in the squad. Yeah, I was impressed with Odegaard. To be honest, I haven't really seen too much of him before. You know, everyone's heard about him, the teenager, Norwegian teenager signed by Real Madrid, been out on loan a lot. Um, I was impressed. He seemed like a very tidy player. Even when Lariel were struggling to to create chances, he was, he was always offering himself, always looking to take possession. He played a bit deeper than I expected to as well. And that might have been to do with the Iarra injury. Maybe he had to you know, come back a bit uh, towards his own defence. But yeah, I was I was fairly impressed. Certainly he stood out from, from the Lariel players. Now, let's look at the top of the table. Sevilla and Atletico Madrid were the only sides with 100% records coming into the third weekend. But Sevilla couldn't get the job done against Celta Vigo and could only manage a 1-1 draw at home, even though they had 16 shots, while Celta Vigo had, well, just one. That paved the way for Atletico Madrid to finish the weekend as outright leaders, with a win against Eibar. It wasn't easy, but they did get it. Early goals from Charles and Alex Arbia put Eibar 2-0 up at the Wanda Metropolitano, a stadium where they'd never lost. But Joao Felix and substitutes Vitolo and Thomas Partey got the goals to seal a comeback victory. Let's speak now to Sam Leverage, who was there, about that dramatic Thomas winner in stoppage time. A comeback at home against a bad side with a last-minute winner to win 3-2. Sounds a lot like the 3-2 victory over Athletic Club last season. Sam, the wonder must have been absolutely bouncing. It was very really a lot of excitement before kickoff, and in the early stages of the game, fans were really sort of expectant to see what could come about and what could happen with this team. Obviously, it's their second home fixture of the season, and a lot of people who've been away for the first one, it was their first time at the Wanda. Final few minutes after the the winner from Thomas Party, that was pretty impressive stuff, really, for the Wanda Metropolitano, one of the best atmospheres that I've experienced there. How would you rate this Atletico performance? Although they conceded those two early goals, they were actually very good, I thought. 
I'm still not really sure how Ibra managed to go 2-0 up. So I think right from the off, Ibra had their game plan and it worked quite well for them. But, but Atletico weren't doing anything wrong. They weren't playing badly and, and they did okay. Even at 2-0 down, they didn't look to be panicking or, or nervous or anything like that. And they got back into the game in the end. And I think it's definitely impressive stuff. And Atletico fans have a lot of reasons to be to be optimistic. Thomas Party came on and got the winner. I know a lot of people and commentators were scratching their heads when he came on. I saw a lot of comments about it being so defensive-minded of Simeone to bring him on in that situation. But Simeone said afterwards that what seems defensive might not always be. We know Thomas can play further up the pitch. He does it for Ghana. He's done it before for Atletico. So do we need to give Simeone credit for this? Definitely. I think Simeone gets quite a lot of stick when he gets the substitutions wrong and saying when he gets it spot on as he did against Iowa, I think it's time that he gets some credit as well. So I don't think anybody really expected to see Thomas take up that more attacking role. It's been quite a while since he's done it for Atletico. It was definitely interesting to see. He really helped to kind of break down and, and intercept play because a lot of the time Iowa were getting the ball and winning the, the header or the um, the interception within the box, but they couldn't quite clear their lines as, as much as they'd hoped. And, and Thomas was instrumental in that, making sure that the possession was turned over and, and getting it back into the danger area and he really put himself about as a very physical presence, just like Diego Costa was. And and in the end, he provided a, a brilliant finish, the kind of composure that you wouldn't really expect from a holding midfielder. But it will be interesting to see if that's something that, that Simeone returns to in the future. Obviously, he doesn't have too many options in that area of the field, particularly if Rodrigo Moreno doesn't come in on transfer deadline day, which looks unlikely now. So Thomas could be a, an option there, definitely. Three wins from the first three games, the last time that happened was 2013-14, when they famously went on to win the league. So, can they do it again? There's a definite buzz around the, the Wanda Metropolitan at the moment. I think fans really believe that this year could be something different. Obviously, there's a lot of new signings, a lot of, of integration to be done. I don't think people are particularly expectant, but it's more hopeful this year. that This side could achieve something special, but nobody's expecting it. It'll be interesting to see how the season unfolds how they can avoid another injury crisis like there was last season because I don't think their squad is the, the deepest in terms of depth with, with not many options up front or at left back where Ronan Lodi is pretty much the only one. There's Mario Hermoso but he's not a natural left back. So how Simeone manages that squad and and keeps things fresh and, and keeps rotating his players, that'll be the biggest challenge for him. But it's a very bright start and I think there's plenty of reasons to be optimistic. They're much more optimistic in the red and white half of Madrid than the all-white half. Real Madrid have taken just five points from their first three matches after they drew 2-2 away at Villarreal. They went behind twice to goals from Gerard Moreno and Moy Gomez, but the man who was supposed to be in China by now saved the day somewhat with two equalisers. That's right, Gareth Bale stepped up for a couple of goals away at Villarreal's Estadio de la Ceramica, a stadium where he's now scored five times. A couple of silly yellow cards... Very late on meant that he was actually sent off before full time and he'll now miss Real Madrid's match against Levante after the international break. Zidane will be hoping that Eden Hazard is fit again by then or that the Benzema and Jovic experiment suddenly clicks. But as I believe they say, let's not dwell on the future, let's dwell on the past. We've got more round three action to go over and we'll do so after this. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome back to La Liga Lowdown's Match Day 3 recap. We need to talk about Barcelona, don't we? And about Osasuna, who've kept up their fabulous unbeaten home record. It's at 27 games now. Roberto Torres opened and closed the scoring in a 2-2 draw with Barcelona on Saturday. A match that saw 16-year-old Ansu Fati score his first senior goal and that saw Arthur score his first for Barcelona. The Fati goal was a special moment and I want to talk about that and more with a Barcelona man, Roman de Arker. Chips in, snap, down, oh! and he scored his first! Magisterial! Magisterial indeed! More drop points for Barcelona. They haven't dropped five points across their opening three matches since the start of the 2008-2009 season, which, Roman, you've reminded us before, ended up being a treble winning campaign. But this Barcelona team doesn't look like it's going to be winning the treble though, does it? No, definitely not, Ewan. Um, I just gave it as a funny and curious stat to, to keep in mind, but it doesn't look like it's going to happen at all because at the moment the team is, is just not kicking off. It's the third season with Valverde and we're still seeing the same problems on the field we'd had previously. I mean, in some games we're playing good, occasionally like the Betis one, for example, but there's no consistency there. It's one every three, four, five games. So although Valverde this time, I have to say he was really... Um, Good with the changes. I mean, they were, he's been criticized for, for not picking the right subs at some point, but this time he was great. But we, we need more consistency. We need more games like we saw against Betis. And at the moment, it just seems it's not happening. They are missing a lot of injured attackers, obviously. Messi, Suarez, Dembele, all out injured. But it's not just an attack that they have problems. It's the fact that Nelson Semedo was poor at right back. The fact that Frankie de Jong doesn't look comfortable under pressure. That Jordi Alba hasn't been himself for some time. There are a lot of problems in this team, right? Yeah, indeed. I mean, the game against Osasuna, we saw so many little different um, problems you just mentioned during the game. Uh, as you mentioned, Semedo, for example, under pressure, he was just struggling so much to play the ball forward. He had to get rid of it or he was often losing it. So obviously, Valverde had to make a substitution and put Sergio Roberto as a right back to try and have more control there. 
Frankie, I think, is playing just um, too close to the sideline, a bit disconnected from the ball movement. I think he should be playing more towards the middle, participating more in the build-up because that's what he's really good at. And then Alba, as you mentioned, um, I just think that without Messi, he's just finding it hard to connect in the final quarter of the pitch. Uh, he had an like, amazing association with Messi last season, so many assists, but this time he's just not finding other players the same way. So... And it's not just like these little details. I think in general, as I mentioned before, the team isn't uh, evolving as we expected. There's still so much work to be done there right now. Because I think it's um, with all the new players coming in, it should just be having a system and um, letting the new players quickly adapt. But, but I think all the players are kind of lost uh, in this system Valverde is, is using now. Okay, no more negatives for you, Roman. Let's talk about a positive. Ansu Fati, he became the youngest ever Barcelona scorer at 16 years and 304 days of age. The third youngest ever in La Liga after Fabrice Olinga at 16 years and 98 days and after Iker Munyain at 16 years and 289 days. How big was your smile, Roman, when he scored? Oh, more than a smile. It was like a woad face, you know, because I completely wasn't expecting um, Ansu to score, to be honest. I mean, he's so young. He's just... Uh, Played uh, barely a few games. Well, it's his second game actually in the in the first team. So uh, I was really surprised, and it's actually a header against a defender and a really strong contact. I mean that you expect from uh, experienced players, but Ansu Fati was was just phenomenal there and gave Barca the hope uh, they needed to to win the game. So I mean, Kules, you know, we we love to see uh, La Masia players succeed, and Ansu has proved that he has a future here if he he works hard. Although you can tell he's just 16, he made quite a few mistakes during the game, missed time passes, he's shooting when maybe passing was a better option. But these are all things that can be worked in, in training and with more minutes and, and surely he can improve and become a, an important player for Barcelona. We've got the international break now, it's a chance to regroup. What do Barcelona need to do before returning from the break to take on Valencia? Well, first of all, I think the transfer market has to end. All these rumours with Neymar, this, it's just been a distraction for the team, probably uh, hoping that he comes or whatever, but that has to end and hopefully now we won't be talking anymore about this. Osasuna, meanwhile, have now gone 27 league matches without losing at home. Of course, most of them in the second division last year on their way to becoming champions. 21 wins and 6 draws in front of their home fans. The atmosphere at El Sadar is quite special, yeah? Yeah, it's, it's amazing uh, to watch a game there. I, it's probably one of those stadiums uh, anybody who loves football has to visit in Spain. It's one of those recommended ones because fans are just so, so passionate there. And the results they get, you just mentioned them. I mean, it's so hard to win at El Sadar. And it's definitely one of, the, one of the toughest stadiums. And as a matter of fact, I think Barca have won less than 40% of the games at El Salar. So it comes to prove that it's really hard. And I actually think that this season, very few teams are going to leave there with three points. Next up, let's bring in Paco Pollitt, a very sweaty Paco Pollitt. I spoke to him after he'd been suffering on a hot and sunny day at Mestalla to see two Danny Parejo penalties in Valencia, a 2-0 victory over Real Mallorca. First of all, Paco, how hot was it at Mestalla in this game for a 5pm local time kickoff? Well, it was excruciatingly hot. Like dense, thick, crazy heat coming off the ground off the stands and with people inside the stadium actually running around trying to find some spots with shade to cool down. And actually you could see during the game that the players were roasted like turkeys inside an oven with over 30 degrees plus an insane percentage of humidity that made attending the game quite an uncomfortable and sweaty experience. Um, 
and actually getting home and taking a shower was the best part of the evening, indeed. I can imagine, but despite the heat, this game was played with lots of pace and lots of action by the players. In the first half, Real Mallorca were actually really good and hit the woodwork twice through Ante Budimir and, and Lago Jr. Were the fans at Mestalla nervous at that point? Yes, they were, and obviously they had many reasons to be nervous. Uh, I'm not going to mess around. Mallorca totally deserved much more in the first half. They had three or four incredible chances to score, but at some point that rookie moniker of being one of the promoted teams, it was eventually going to penalize them. They left Valencia alive, they'd made two single mistakes inside their box, and they were severely punished. We finished the game with South Korean 18-year-old Kangin Lee and Japanese 18-year-old Takifusa Kubo, who we've just done a podcast about on La Liga Loden. They were both on the pitch at the end. How did the two of them youngsters look? Um, I understand the hype surrounding uh, Takefusa Kubo, obviously, because he's a Real Madrid player. He's now on loan at uh, Mallorca. But I have to say, I wasn't too impressed with Kubo in the first few minutes he enjoyed. Even though it's true that his team weren't really believing they could turn two goals around. He actually did try a few tricks here and there, but he didn't have that much of an impact. Kanjin Lee, though, um, he only played 10 minutes, but he did one of the best plays of the evening with the Mestalla crowd doing that so satisfying sound of, oh, you know, when he tried uh, a run through the middle, uh, dribbling here and there, a couple of uh, opposite players. You know, he's incredible. He, he has that talent, that quality. And, and that's actually one of my few quips towards Marcelino Garcia Toral, because he totally should play the Korean youngster much, much more. Barcelona next for Valencia, a battle of two teams with issues. Roman already told us that the most important thing for Barcelona right now is that the transfer window shuts. Is it the same for Valencia? Are they just desperate for deadline day to come and pass? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Because it, it has been a crazy summer in, in Valencia with um, so much tension inside the club. And yeah, uh, actually Marcelino has stated a few times that he's you know, desperate for the market to to end in order to know what kind of squad he will have this year to work with. The Rodrigo issue will be on the line till the last minute, I believe. At the time of this recording, it seems he will stay, but I wouldn't take it for granted. Uh, Valencia are going to try to bring in a right-back player before the window is closed because uh, Pizzini's injury is quite a serious one. And I believe if they manage to do so, they uh, sign a right-back at the last minute and they manage to keep Rodrigo in the squad, we can say that the team will have slightly improved over the 2018-2019 season. Paco also made a video for La Liga Loden's Twitter account about the high temperature, so go check that out if you're interested. Now, let's run through some of the other results from the weekend. Real Betis got their first win of the season against Leganes, winning 2-1. They had to come from behind and they had to hold on at the end, but they were able to do so. We saw Atafi and Alaves battle it out for a 1-1 draw as Jose Bordelas hosted his former club. The club had sacked him after he won them promotion. That's right, Alaves actually did that. Granada pulled off one of the shock results of the weekend with a 3-0 win at Espanyol, who may have made it into the Europa League group stages, but who are yet to win in La Liga. They're yet to score a goal, actually. We spoke to Granada expert Heath Chesters on last weekend's podcast, and he told us to watch out for Granada. We're definitely watching now. 
And this week we're going to finish off by talking to another expert. Let's bring in another Scotsman in the form of Martin Devlin, a real Vide lead fan and the man behind the Pusella Escoffia Twitter account and fan page. Check them out for lots of English language content on Real Vide Lead. Sadly for Martin, we speak to him after his side's first defeat of the season as they went down to a 2-0 defeat at Levante. Both goals coming late on, but he's genuinely happy with Real Vide Lead's start to the season. So let's have us some Real Vide Lead focus just now. So it couldn't have been more mixed for Real Valladolid to start the season. One win, one draw, one defeat. Considering all three of these matches were away from home and considering one of them was against Real Madrid, four points from a possible nine isn't a bad start, right Martin? Yeah, that's correct. Um, given the fact that the team had done so poorly last season and only managed to narrowly avoid relegation, if you'd said that we would be talking after three games of the season with only with only one defeat under our belt, I'd be, uh, I'd be, I would have been quite happy with that. Yeah, and they'll be returning home after the international break. Can you just explain to us what's going on at the Jose Zaria, the stadium, why they've had to play the first three matches away? Well, if you think back to the the very beginning of last season, um, when they played Barcelona at home, they had that catastrophe with the pitch, which was uh, really embarrassing for the club. For some reason, they decided to to lay a new pitch just before Barcelona turned up, you know, and it was still kind of so bedding in really uh, when the when the game kicked off and if uh, if anyone saw the pictures the pitch was just coming up in huge chunks and it was um it really was a, a very very un- unplayable surface so they received a lot of criticism for that um and after a heavy season uh, the the decision was taken that they were going to uh, relay the pitch but also make some fairly in-depth changes to the stadium as well the the stadium was was built in for the 1982 World Cup and it's it's looking a little bit tired on the outside but on the inside there's there's been a bit of a a freshen up with the new seating going in a few years ago and uh, a couple of renovations to to try and bring it back up to standard. How do you think they'll do at home this season? They were one of just five teams in all of Europe's top five leagues last season to actually pick up more points on the road compared to at home. They got 20 points at home, 21 away. I suppose that should be considered a a positive that they did slightly better on 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 the road, but like many teams, they they need to make their their home ground more of a an intimidating place to place to come. They drop points against uh, teams like Levante and Alaves and that sort of thing, um, while while running teams like Barcelona and Real Madrid closer with 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 better performances. And I think I think what it comes down to is that. The, the the fans do make a, a big impact at the Jose Zaria. They're they're very very passionate. They're not huge in number, but you could see the difference in the home games when they were playing some of the bigger teams with the with the way that the team played and they responded to the urging of the crowd. So I'd, I'd really expect them to pick up more points this season at home if they've got any chance of, of avoiding the, the relegation scrap that they were in last year. What has been your opinion on the summer transfer business? I think a lot of people expected. A bit more in Ronaldo's first summer window with the club. I've been a little bit underwhelmed. Have you? I have, yes. I, have. I think the, the highlight signing has definitely been Pedro Porro coming in from, from Manchester City on loan after his, his transfer from Girona. Uh, because Real Fidelity don't have a lot of funds at their disposal, they are using the, the loan market quite a lot. 
but I, like you, I was hoping that Ronaldo may have been able to sort of pull a few strings to to bring in some some interesting names from from other teams to use that reputation. Uh, for quite a few weeks, we were linked with uh, Kubel, who eventually went to Mallorca. So it's kind of disappointing to lose out on a player like that, especially as he did end up going on loan to another team. Of the players who are in the squad, who should we be looking out for this season? It's interesting because if you had asked me this question in the summer, the player who I'm going to talk about would not have featured at all. Mohamed um, Salasu, uh, the central defender, he's he's he was a real surprise addition to the squad for the first match against Real Betis. Nobody had expected him to feature for the first team at all. Um, another guy to look out for is uh, Sergi Guardiola. He's uh, he's certainly looking very very sharp and. He's working well with uh, Oscar Plano, who seems to be very, very versatile. He's um, he, He's been playing on the left-hand side, but switched to the right-hand side against Levante, and uh, that had quite a good effect. Lots of under-the-radar players there who I'm sure over the course of the season will be more on the radar, but hopefully for everyone in Vidalid, not so much that they all get picked off by other teams. What's your expectation for Real Vidalid this season? Is it purely to avoid relegation? In all honesty, I, I would think so, yes. Uh-huh. Uh, another season in the Primera Liga would be key to sort of pushing this, this project forward. They are working on a very, very limited budget again, and they're only a couple of injuries away from, from being quite a threadbare squad. So avoiding relegation would be great. Anything else is just purely a bonus, really. Well, thanks to Martin Devlin, to Paco Pollitt, to Roman de Arquer, to Sam Leverage, and to Dan Parry, for all their insight in this week's La Liga Lowdown Monday recap. I've been your host, Drew McTeer, and we'll have another podcast coming out on Thursday as we take an in-depth look at a specific topic, as we've already done this season with our Takifusa Kubo and Aris Adoritz episodes. We hope you'll listen then, and thanks for listening now. <laughs>